Warning, you are now listening to Up in Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Let me hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We up in flames, yeah. Yeah, uh, we up in flames, hold on, uh, check this go We up in flames, yeah, uh, we up in, uh, yeah, yeah, we up in flames, yeah Woo! We up in, uh, yeah, we up in flames, we up in flames Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone here to another edition of Up in Flames here on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel. As always, I am your host, Mo Murphy. And with me, I got a special guest, a Dash Radio favorite, one of the guys from Off the Ball Network, the guy who really makes it run. He keeps everybody together. He keeps it as a tight-knit family. But you also may know him as the co-host of Breaking the Game, the co-host of Draft Capital, the, the guy doing scouting reports, like I could just give him all his flowers all day long and I could spend an hour on the show, but none other than the very own Stephen Gillespie. Stephen, what's going on, bro? Dude, uh, I feel much better about myself after that introduction. You know, um, I, I think you're giving me a lot of credit where other people uh, are, are making a lot of great contributions on the network as well. But, you know, I appreciate the love, man. I mean, that's how it is at Off the Ball. You know, we we give each other love. You know, we boost each other up, gas each other up and all that. So, you know, likewise to you, dude. I mean, you're you're running a heck of a show here on Up in Flames. You know, VP of Off the Ball Network, everyone's favorite four letter network now. So, you know, it's a uh, it's all love, man. I'm glad to be on the show today. Yeah, definitely. And you know, um, I'm sure Dash Radio. You know, I, I'm sure y'all love the content we put out. I'm sure y'all are tired of hearing us all on each other's shows, <laughs> but that's just how it is at Off the Ball Network. If you can't find somebody, you know, come to the network and, and somebody will have you. Obviously, Next man up. Yep, Steven's a normal, a regular on Up in Flames. You'll hear him a lot, especially this is his season. This is this is the time that we want to hear from Steven on Up in Flames. So without further ado, we're going to get straight into it. Um, Obviously, the NBA season has kicked off. Trade rumors are swirling. You know, teams are looking to shake it up. And, and we're going to get into a lot of that, especially some of the teams that, that aren't reaching expectations. But we're going to start off first. Where we're going to talk about Ben Simmons. And the Boston Celtics. We we heard a rumor that they've they've engaged in trade talks. We don't we also saw it wasn't true. So, but you always see that when when you do hear a trade rumor. But essentially it seemed like it was going to be a package based around Ben Simmons and Jalen Brown. So, Steven, I want to get your thoughts first on the, the the package itself that was kind of proposed and, and was told to us. What do you think about Ben Simmons to Boston for, for what they're asking for? Is that is that his value? Ah, uh, man, I don't know. It really just depends on what you like in a player. Uh, right now, Ben Simmons just isn't getting a lot of love from a lot of people, and you're just keeping it real. Playing or, you know, being assigned to the team, I should say, of the city of brotherly love, there's really not a lot of that going around for Ben Simmons right now. And uh, I love Ben Simmons. I think, you know, last season he had a strong, you know, campaign for Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people are just have – always looked at Ben Simmons as what else can he be and um, don't really appreciate who he is right now. And, you know, we see everything that's coming out in the news lately about him and his mental health and everything. I think a lot of that has to do with the, uh, the expectations, you know, say what you will about whether or not you, you believe in it, whatever, you know, that that's irrelevant. But I do think, you know, if the case is out there that he has it can totally see, you know, the expectations portion of that being the, contra- the contributing factor there. But looking at Ben Simmons, you know, I've always been in the mindset that he has good value. I think that he should at least anyway before, you know, I guess say what you want about Daryl Morey and how he's handled the situation. But I feel like he hasn't done anything to help it. And mm-hmm. what we're seeing right now with Ben Simmons is that the trade value basically went away up until this kind of random trade to an interconference, interdivisional opponent in the Boston Celtics came up. And when I first saw this, I was like, oh, okay, you know, Simmons to the Celtics, that would be that would be something. And then I saw it was for Jalen Brown. And then I saw it wasn't just for Jalen Brown, but it was for Jalen Brown and assets. And I'm like, as much as I love Ben Simmons, I also love I also love me some Jalen Brown. And just because he hasn't been, you know, the all-star that Ben Simmons has yeah. been or the, you know, a 
a defensive player of the year candidate, things like that. He's a really good basketball player. I mean, he could be the number one wing on a lot of teams right now. He just so happens to be being a, a teammate of Jason Tatum. And when I saw that, I'm like, ah, now you now you're you know, it's this trade is tearing me apart because I love Ben Simmons, but you're also underselling the value on a on Jalen Brown. And I'm of the mindsets where like they almost have to be traded straight up. And if anything, if anybody else has to send anything other than these two players that were mentioned, realistically it should be Philadelphia. They should be giving more assets to Boston as opposed to the other way around. So when I saw that, that was my initial reaction, bro. Yeah. And so like I have such mixed feelings about Boston and what they should do. And we'll get into that in a second. But as far as Ben Simmons, I think it, like you said, I'm with you on the assets. That's probably, they're probably still asking for too much, you know, for Ben Simmons without including much else in there. Um, But I think Ben Simmons would be the perfect fit alongside Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Like no matter who they were asking for, I think he fits because I think, I think there is a problem in Boston. Um, And it's not about the chemistry that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have. I think they love each other and they Mm -hmm. play fine together. I don't think neither of them are a number one. And I say that I'm I'm tough on who I think. But when I say that, I don't think neither of them are a guy who could be the best player on the championship team. No knock on them. But if Jason Tatum is your best player, unless all things fall right, I don't think the Celtics can win the championship. I mean, we're kind of seeing that now. We really don't even know for sure who's better out of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Essentially, like, there's flashes where Jalen Brown looks godly. And then so does, you know, so does Jason Tatum. I think they're both strong number twos. I think if you told me if Jalen Brown was in Philly, I'd say Philly could compete for a championship. Mm. And I think Ben Simmons would take the pressure off what Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum can't do, which is essentially facilitate. They're not playmakers for other teammates. Like you put that burden on them and you kind of see some failure like you've been seeing in Boston. So I think he helps out either one, like whether they were willing to give up Tatum uh, or Jalen Brown. And everybody's so big on like, I'm even seeing Boston fans like willing to give up Tatum. And mm. I'm like, okay, people are, I think people are starting to see though. I wouldn't just give up Tatum for Ben Simmons. First off, that's not but just <laughs> the fact of maybe they need to see Tatum probably has more value around the NBA than Jalen Brown does. So oh, if yeah. you were to shake it up and you're like, it's not going to work. You don't want to have to get rid of Tatum, but Jalen Brown is so good and you might get a lot for Jason Tatum. So I would understand as a Celtics fan, you're like, this isn't working. We got to do something. We don't want Ben Simmons. Let's go test the market. Let's see what Jason Tatum is for. So, but I I think when it comes to Ben Simmons, I think he helps whoever he plays with, whether he plays with Jalen Brown, whether he was playing alongside Jason Tatum, I think it helps, but I still don't know if this is Boston's problem. Like they're still missing a big, like, and they'll still be missing a big acquiring Ben Simmons. Like defensively, he could guard almost all five positions, but that's been the the what they've been missing this whole time is essentially probably a point guard like Simmons who could take mm-hmm. on the load. Lonzo Ball would have fit perfect, I think. I think they should have pursued him harder. But then they're missing a big man, and we know that because for the past three years, uh, every big man available essentially through trade or something has been like, "Ooh, the Celtics are interested." Hassan Whiteside, obviously the most famous one is Miles Turner. Like, of we've course, three years, and we'll probably go into this trade deadline too, hearing that Miles Turner might end up in Boston. So what do you think, when you exclude Simmons and just look at Boston, what is it that, that do they need to be looking at trading Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, regardless of whether it's for Simmons or not? Like, do they need to make some type of different move? I love that question, man. Um, I don't know. I think you still do everything that you possibly can to keep both of these dudes on the same team together because you, these guys are still very young too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're talking about guys who are not even really in their prime yet. I think that Jason is right now on the ascension to his prime. I don't think that this is the best that we're ever going to see out of Jason Tatum. With that being said, you you keep these two guys together and you still do have assets to go get somebody. You know, you got all your draft picks. I mean, you had more, but nothing really has come up of them. You've drafted decently, so you have a couple of young assets, namely Peyton Pritchard. You know, uh-huh. Robert. You know, Robert Williams is playing really well at at the big man spot, but you know, you definitely need depth there now. Al Horford has had a couple flashes of the old Horford, but we know that he's not going to be their long term answer. So I get where you're going at with that big man acquisition. As much as it pains me, I think Marcus Smart 
right now is your most valuable asset. Everyone likes to say, you know, our, our buddy JP uh, off the ball, you know, he mentions that that's the heart and soul of your team. I'm not so much of the mindset that you have to have a quote unquote heart and soul of your team. Because I mean, if a, if a guy leaves, I mean, Isaiah Thomas once upon a time was the heart and soul of Boston's team. And now they have, you know, it just gets handed on down to somebody else. Someone else can be an emotional leader, but there's other teams out there that could value Marcus Smart's defensive ability, you know, maybe even try to get him in a role that would make him more happy and putting the ball in his hand a little bit more. I don't know if I love that personally, but, you know, someone might be able to look at a Marcus Smart and say, hey, maybe we can get more out of him. With that being said, you couple him up with a maybe uh, Richardson on this team. You know, he hasn't looked well since he's left Miami, but, you know, maybe there's another team that could, again, what, what if we had him, what can we get for him? So, there's a couple of contracts there you could put together to be in around the $20 million price range with draft picks and a couple young players. You might be able to get a little something, maybe a point guard, um, maybe add to that center rotation. But really, Mo, to answer your question, I think the point guard position is really what they need. They need someone who can set the table because they have finishers. They have isolation specialists. They just need someone who can orchestrate an offense. And that's why when I saw Ben Simmons' name evolved to Boston, I was like, oh, okay, this might be something but not for not for Jalen Brown. Yeah, I don't think they really get any better if they make mm-hmm. that trade. Now, if they could get Ben Simmons, keep Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like you said, now we're talking. Like, now Boston, the whole outlook on Boston changes, and, and you said something earlier that I've been big on, too. Stop looking at Ben Simmons for what he's not and look at him for what he is. Mm-hmm. Stop looking for what he could be. Let's look at what he is right now. And like you said, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. He's a facilitator. He'll give you no more than, what, 16 points a game, but he still could give me 14 to 16, 9 and 8. I, I could take that. I could do something with that, especially if Simmons is on Boston as the third best player, essentially, alongside. You don't need him to shoot. You got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like, you surround him with shooters. You get So, I just, I, I hate when people, like, be so quick to kill Ben Simmons uh, for what he's not, he doesn't have to be able to shoot. Look how successful a lot of players have been without really having a shot. I think he now what I do think he needs is he needs to make himself a threat of shooting. Like at yeah. least make the team think you will shoot it. Giannis has started to do that. Where is we're seeing it more and more each year. We're seeing it even now. Like Giannis isn't a great three-point shooter by any means. He's not a great shooter at all. But he will shoot it. And so at least if he's willing to shoot it, you have to at least jump out there a little bit. You can and he's leave. gotten better too. That's the thing about Giannis. We look at him primarily for that defense and that, um, you know, cutting ability. But he has he has made marketed improvements at, at at shooting as well. Yeah, and I think I think like if he's just confident enough to shoot the ball, we don't care if you're a thirty percent shooter. We know you can't shoot. Like so, we're not looking at you to be a forty percent three point shooter. We're just looking at you to shoot the ball. That's mm-hmm. it. So it's like. We're not even asking Ben Simmons to be a great shooter. At least I'm not, and I know you're not. So we just want you to shoot the ball. At least make the defense respect the fact that you will attempt a mid-range shot. You will attempt a three-point shot. Here and there, I'm not saying shoot seven, eight threes a game either. Don't be Russell Westbrook where you, you want to be a three-point shooter and you're not because we see Westbrook do that a lot. He shoots yep. seven, eight threes, be one for eight, and it's like you want Westbrook wants to be a three-point shooter, but he's not. So I, I think – Philly's going to have to figure it out because I really just, it's getting to the point where I don't know, like I'm on Daryl Morey's side as far as he doesn't have to trade Ben Simmons, but I'm also on the side of if you don't and he, the longer he's not playing for Philly, Mm -hmm. the more you're wasting time on a talented team. Like this is a good team. You add a Jalen Brown instead of Ben Simmons, like, this is a good team without Ben Simmons right now. Whatever you can get for Simmons, and I'm not saying settle. If you have a value on them, don't settle. But you start looking out there, whatever comes back in return for Simmons is better than nothing because you're playing without Simmons right now. Then yeah. you, have, you have COVID hit in the team. So, But this is a good team. Like They're a competitive team. Certain teams, at least right now, aren't even at expectation anyway. Philly can play with anybody, at least in the Eastern Conference. They're uh, still winning. <laughs> exactly. Without Ben Simmons. So... I think they do. Maybe you have to lower your value a little bit because clearly, like, if you're the only one that values something and the rest of the league is telling you that is not, then you're 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 wasting time. You're wasting everybody's time. But I also get Daryl Morey playing hardball because I get GMs and executives are afraid for Simmons to get traded. And it's not about making the team better. It's about the fact that 
the players will end up having even more power because if you're able to pull the trade off with four years left on your contract, that's what the league is afraid of. And I understand that before we move on, what do you think about that aspect is it's not necessarily is Daryl Morey. I think he's looking out not only for his, the best interest of his team, but he's looking out for the best interest of the league so that it's not setting a precedent that if you sign a contract in a year later or two years later, things go wrong and it went wrong. Coaches, front office, Simmons, everybody had a part to play in it. But if things go wrong, like you sign that contract, you have four years left. Essentially, you really have no leverage. But if we trade you, it's going to send a message to the next guy and then the next guy and then the next guy. And it starts to become a trend because that's what we see in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, that four-year aspect is kind of a a more finer point. But we have seen guys get traded with multiple years left Mm -hmm. on their contract and and force their way out in ugly fashions. I mean, Ben Simmons is just the latest of a a long lineage of players who just – have not been happy and, and forced their way out. I mean, we can go all the way back to Vince Carter. We can go as recently as Anthony Davis goes recently as James Harden. And we thought that we've never seen anything worse than a James Harden scenario. And then lo and behold, the, the very next season, yeah. we, we get to see this um, saga unfold in Philadelphia. But I think the aspect of, you know, not giving the players too much power. And I don't even think that necessarily it would be the, um, the, the contract aspect and I'm not making light of the mental health aspect at all. I'm actually like pro mental health aspect it's in this situation. I, I'm, yeah. you know, and I know that you agree with that as well, Mo, but um, I could see where other people would say we have to not just give into this so easily because it is very well and good as Ben Simmons may actually have these mental health issues. If, you know, would there be someone who would look to, maybe do that same thing in a less genuine, more adv- more advantageous to their career manner and just see, okay. I mean, this happens in life all the time, man, not even just basketball. If we see that like, hey, someone in the system, you know, whatever system that you're a part of did this and they were able to do what they, you know, ultimately wanted to do and it was beneficial to them is there a way that I can maybe finagle my way through here? You know, again, not pointing at Ben Simmons and saying that he's doing this, but if he is to be moved quickly after citing mental health issues, maybe someone with uh, less genuine intentions could see that and look to work that to their advantage. So maybe that's what Daryl Morey is kind of also looking out for not only himself, but the other, you know, decision makers around the league. Yeah. And and that's where it comes out to. And and like you said, because as genuine as it could be, uh, we don't know. Uh, I'm on his side. I, I think through everything that's happened, I do think he's probably damaged a little bit, especially knowing like he just doesn't want to be back at Philly. And through right. all this, he probably knows like he can't face Philly in the crowd and, you know, kind of play in that environment anymore. We know they're one of the toughest places to play anyway. But after all of this and the fallout from it, like typically when you put bandages on it and have to, you have to face it. And, and he just might not be ready to face it. He may never be ready to face it. But I want to move on to somebody else who mm. is constantly convincing us that he doesn't want out. And I believe him. I, I believe him uh, wholeheartedly. There, there was an article that came out on The Athletic talking about he did have a meeting with Anthony Davis and LeBron um, in the offseason. Yeah. <laughs> and basically said that he, through all that, he couldn't see himself playing with them like as good as they would be. It's just not him. He, he's a get-it-out-the-mud guy. Uh, you hear it in, you know, the way he speaks, the way he plays. You hear it in his music. For anybody who listens to his music, you just hear it in all aspects. Of it. He's just a get-it-out-the-mud guy, and he's a he, he doesn't cheat the grind. And we're begging for him to cheat the grind, right? <laughs> like, we, we want Dame, a guy like that we have so much respect for. Fans just can't be happy with the player's decision-making anymore, Mo. Yeah, but, but we if you do, him. right? But like, yeah, but we, we, we want to see a guy like Dame. Like, he deserves a championship. And I'm not saying go play with the Lakers. There's plenty of other teams Dame could play for, get Mm -hmm. traded to, and make better. I've been an advocate because I love basketball, so it's not always about my team. I'd love to see Dame in Miami, first off. Oh, shoot. Who wouldn't? But I've been an advocate of saying that, like, a Simmons and and Dame type of deal, Dame and Philly with Mm -hmm. Joel Embiid and Tobias Mm -hmm. Harris and Seth, like. And Doc Rivers coaching. That that sounds, you know, that, that sounds like a recipe. For, for a true, you know, championship run. But I'm looking at Portland, and they're struggling. Mm-hmm. And they don't really have assets to, to get the team better. They're not really willing to trade C.J. McCollum. Once again, the loyalty is residing over business. 
I think CJ McCollum and Dame are like this, and Dame is out if they trade CJ. Like, they both said they, they don't want to be traded. They want to be here. Portland has already came out and said they're not trading CJ. So then, therefore, you look at the rest of their assets. They don't really have much to improve their team. Like, you hope maybe a small trade that looks even doesn't really make them better pans out in their favor uh, later on down the line. But what else is there to be done before Damian Lillard just realizes, kind of like a James Harden, we would have more respect for Dame, but James Harden realized his time in Houston was up. Mm-hmm. He's done everything possible that he could try. And I think he started, see, the front office did everything they could for the most part. He, you know, he played with Dwight Howard at one point. He had Chris Paul. He had Russell Westbrook. Like he had players. Taylor Parsons, Lynn Sanity. And they were one of the top teams in the Western Conference at one point during a couple regular seasons. So they had some success. But Harden, I really feel like, yeah, he could have went about it a different way, but he knew, like, my time in Houston is up. I've done everything I can. Now it's time where I'm headed on the back end of my career, even if I'm on the back end of my prime. Now it's time to focus on championship. I focused on me. I focused on the personal level. I focused on being the superstar, the best player I could be. But now let's, still, let's focus on the legacy. Let's, let's get some championships. And ultimately, he ended up going to Brooklyn, who he's another guy who was rumored to go to South Beach or Philly, and neither of those trades worked out. And I'm like, man, Harden or Dane with, with Embiid, that, that smells like a championship. So what does Dane do? Like, is his time up in Portland? Like, is it time for him to look in the mirror and be like, I've done everything I could do as a player. I deserve better. They've given me everything they can, but I deserve more because of just who I am. It's it's weird. And I want to really hone in on the weird part, Mo, because what do they say up in in Portland, you know, just keep Portland weird, right? Keep Oregon weird. And Dame just might be this weird individual, man, where he is just like, you know what? Like, I can hang my hat up at the end of the day knowing that I put in everything that I could literally every day of my career to uplift Portland. And it's not like Portland has been bereft of success. You know, they made the Western Conference Finals. You know, they got, you know, he even got to wave off Oklahoma City. He's had playoff moments, you know, and they've been successful all almost every year of Dame's time in Portland simply because he's been the constant, you know, that there's the whole, you know, different side of the coin of, you know, well, they've never won anything. Well, they've also never really lost anything either because they are always in the mix, no matter how banged up they are, which they always are. They're always banged up in Portland. That's like just the curse of playing up in the pack Northwest, I guess, but they're banged up. They've changed coaches they are going to constantly be in the conversation in the Western Conference because Dame Lillard just won't quit, man. Uh, as, as much as I would love to see him join up with some other, maybe other disgruntled star, like maybe they get Brad Brad Beal or something like that, and mm-hmm. that would make him a little bit more happy. But I don't know, man. Like It, it seems like every time I'm like, yep, Dame's, Dame's out. Dame's gone. You know, he's going to go somewhere else. He just kind of digs his heels in the mud and is just like, no, I'm I'm gonna stay here. You guys want me gone? I'm gonna. That makes me want to stay even harder. Maybe it's reverse psychology. Maybe we just need to tell Dame that he can't go anywhere else, and he'll end up, you know, changing his out. mind and, and want to go somewhere else. Because right now, this hasn't worked for us. Where we say, "Hey, Dame, wouldn't it be cool if you played in L.A. and got a ring?" Like, nah, I'll just stay up in Portland. Maybe we just need to say, "Dame, you're probably too bad just to want to go play anywhere else." You you realize that you know your shortcomings will be exposed even more on a better team. You know. Whatever we got to conjure up to try to get Damian Lillard to 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 be on a better team, I don't know. But as far as Portland goes, man, I mean, they just they are not good enough. They're not in a lucrative lucrative enough market to attract a bigger name. I mean, the biggest name that he's drawn up there was Carmelo Anthony, and that was when he was almost just done with basketball. So they wanted him several years before that, and you know that was when Melo was too good to go play in Portland, right? So. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they got guys like Yosef Nurkic, who's a nice player. CJ McCollum is balling out right now. He's having a heck of a season. Um, you know, Anthony Simons is is playing really well for this team, too. So it's just there. It's the wings. It's always the wings, man. When you have a two guard, small guard backcourt. I mean, look at what Cleveland's doing this year. They said, well, we got two short guys. We're just going to play three you know, power forwards and Power. centers. Yeah, three, three huge guys, and we're it's they're worked. having a little bit of success they're, out there in the East. Good. Yeah, they're playing pretty good early. Yeah, and I don't. I maybe Portland looks at that as like, okay, maybe we just need to go three giants, you know, to go along with our two small guys. So 
I don't know because Robert Covington, as much as I love the guy, he is not, he's just not creative enough on offense to be that big of a decision or, you know, difference maker. You know, he, he's a good spot up guy and he's a great defender, but is he really the answer that you want at the three? I mean, they also, you know, the, the trade that they got to send Gary Trent Jr. out and bring in Norman Powell, he's actually playing really good too, but they're just all their best players are undersized, you know, and you can only do so much in meaningful minutes of basketball come playoff time especially out West when you're playing these just towers of teams. So I don't know, man, I would love to see Damian Lillard play somewhere else, but I also respect the grind and respect the hustle and respect him just being true to himself. I mean, if anything else, he's not selling out to what he thinks is the right way to play basketball. So there's a lot of love and respect on my end for him to do that. Yeah. And I have, it's not, you know, I love, I love Damian. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I absolutely love Damian Lillard. So it's not it's but that's why I'd like to see him out of there. And and I want to go as far and like it's not a diss cuz I love Damian Lillard so it's going to come off as a diss but to me the reason why Portland can't win a championship is because of Damian Lillard. Like you said, Dame is going to be Dame can't be the best player on the championship team. That's just that's what I've seen. I don't think so because okay. and I know they can't bring the assets the real assets for us to really see it, but they've had a team adequate enough to get to the Western Conference Finals. So we know they were contender-level players at the very least. So to see, and then they got swept. I mean, they did face the Warriors, though. Like, I think they were really good at the wrong time. LeBron almost got, I mean, being well, real. LeBron got swept, you know. So, I mean, so I think they were really good the wrong year, uh, essentially. But I still just think, like, when I look at, we look at destinations where we'd like to see Dame or where we've just heard rumors of Dame and we're looking at, we've heard Dame to Golden State because of the package they could have. He wouldn't be the best player. It'd be Steph. It's close, but he wouldn't, hands down, like he's the be- he's the one, Steph is the two. Like it wouldn't be like that. Steph, Steph City, man. 1A, 1B, but that's Steph's team. That's, that's his city. Steph conceded to a guy who was arguably the best player in the league, a KD. But he ain't just going to – he's going to embrace anybody. But he's not just going to be like, yeah, I'm going to take a back seat and let it be Dame time in San Francisco. Like, this still is this, – this is my house. But then we talked about Dame in Philly. I don't think Dame is better than Joel Embiid. Like, in, in my – I would disagree in that aspect. But I, it's, it's a lot – it's close. It's really close for me. For me, I, I have Embiid, but – I would say Dame is more important on that team if he plays in Philly because okay. he is the ball handler. He's the mm-hmm. guard. So he's going to be more important to the success of Philly with him and Embiid. But I just don't think he's a better player than Embiid. But it's close. They're, they're close. But I'm yeah. saying, like, he, if he got to Philly, he'd be the most important player. Then we're talking about Dame to, to Boston. I don't know if that wins a championship because, first off, Dame is only – you You ain't getting – you're not giving up Dame for Jalen Brown. Now, they're – we you you putting Dame with Jason Tatum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Dame is better than Jason Tatum, which a lot of us think so, at least right now, I still don't think Boston could win the championship. They but be good. Would you? But Jason Tatum is better than CJ McCollum, right? Yes. So you yes. could see how that would. I I could see how that would make Boston better at, on that aspect and a better contender. But the East is tougher this year. Yeah, the East is the East is so tough. Also now that it's like. Cause then you're talking about like Dame to New York. I I really I was like man I was here for it. Like I would have hated to see it because you know then all our Knicks fans at the network are happy. But I was hit like Dame to New York just made sense. Like he has a, a persona, the gritty, the grind, the, the like. They New York will embrace somebody like that. Like yeah. look how they embrace Julius Randle. Look at the guys they draft. Like these are all gritty, grinded out guys. These aren't the. Evan Fournier is getting mixtapes right now. I mean, you know, Darren, like these aren't the finesse guys. Like like Derrick Rose, the guys that they love, R.J. Barrett, who who gets counted out by a lot of people at, at this point because, and I feel like it's because he's always going to get compared to Zion. Essentially, mm-hmm. like that's where that's where his they went to Duke together, came in the draft together. Whatever Zion does, like R.J. Barrett was supposed to do, because we know him, Cam Reddish, and Zion were like the three best high school players uh, when they joined up at Duke. But like they just, it's all gritted, grinded out guys. And I felt like the the package possibly could have been too much, so I could see as a Knicks fan if you didn't love it. But just Dame in New York, just it made sense for all the right reasons. And, and New York would have been a heck of a team. What do you think about if Dame was to leave Portland? What is his ideal fit? Ooh. Um, man, that's tough. 
I, I don't know. Like in my feels right now, I think Denver would be a low key, a cool spot for him and Jokic. I think that that would be a funky team. Mm-hmm. And, and I love funk, man. If, if anybody knows me, I love my funk. But um, I think Denver low key would be a really good spot for him, too. And it depends on what they would give up. And, you know, could you convince a, a Portland to take Jamal Murray? I mean, obviously, that would be an upgrade on Portland's uh, spot as well. And. The, the cool thing about that matchup is the uniqueness, the uniqueness of Jokic. Um, you could easily see Dame make cuts and get some pretty cool passes from, from Jokic or even run like a guard big pick and roll to where Jokic is running off of a Damian Lillard screen. Like, what do you do with that? You can't, you can't do anything. Yeah. So, I mean, you might be able to – Michael Porter Jr. isn't really playing very well either. So, maybe you can get a Michael Porter Jr trade out of that and get a little bit better i mean maybe maybe portland is infatuated with the the size and the shooting as is everybody with michael porter jr they just have they have the ability to do it they have the trades they have young guys i would hate to see bones highland get traded already but i mean michael porter jr considered you know i mean and possibility and if i was portland and i was getting rid of damian lillard hello bones highland is like He's that dude. I can't wait for that guy to get some more playing time because that dude has swag too. So I think that he would be a fan favorite easily in Portland. But yeah, Denver really speaks to my heart initially, man. I'm sure that there's other matchups or or, or teams that you could consider. Like would would <laughs> would Portland want to take on Kyrie Irving um, for a Dame Kyrie swap in, in Brooklyn? That would be scary. Kyrie um, ain't going to Portland, though. That's Kyrie that's, isn't going to be that's playing. The, that's the other side is Kyrie ain't going, so it really don't matter. But Kyrie's weird, man, and that goes back to the keep Portland weird. Maybe he would just be like, you know, whatever. I mean, that's me being wishful thinking just because <laughs> Brooklyn with <laughs> Brooklyn with Dame would be nasty. Yeah. I, and I look at Brooklyn. I mean, Brooklyn would be nasty if Kyrie just come back. If Kyrie, that's a fact. You know, um, and, and that's his personal decision, but – you know, if he does decide to get vaccinated and come back and play this year, that's all they're missing. Like, I watch Brooklyn. I'm like, they're missing something. Oh, they're missing their other star player. Yeah. That's all it is. Like, <laughs> Another max contract player, yeah. Yeah, they're fine everywhere else. So, even if you swap them just because, like, the swap sounds great now just for the simple fact Kyrie ain't playing. So, if you can make that trade and get a Kyrie Irving level player, Dame Lillard, who's probably a little bit better than Kyrie, uh, or at least viewed as a, a little bit better than Kyrie on the floor, that makes the Nets um a hundred times better so but mo then- i got a question for you just real quick just high purely hypothetical I'm not saying it's going to happen if denver was to bring in damian lillard i think it would have to be mandated that they bring back those like old school mellow jerseys with the blue and the gold and all that stuff like wouldn't it be cool to see yeah they'd have Dam- to like they'd the, have the to ones with the with the yellow yellow stripe mm-hmm. on the side and the baby blue the powder blue yeah they just would have do some Bring Kenyon Martin in just to wear a jersey, take some pictures with them. I mean, you know, just bring back those old school. Bring Melo back in for a photo day too. Like if you're gonna yep. do it, let the get let the guy bring AI in there. But you know, with the yellow yep. headband, mm-hmm. Dame gotta wear a yellow headband. Do it for AI <laughs> and Carmelo. So yeah, Dame would be fresh in those uniforms, man. Those uniforms would hit a lot harder today because mm-hmm. of, of the swag of the NBA and, yeah. and you know the uniforms and. That that matters a lot more now. Like those uniforms would would hit a lot those harder. Are so cold. Bring in J.R. Smith again. You know. Yeah, get him out of his uh, golfing and getting beat, stung out by of college. Peace. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, I look. So I look at. I think Dame would. He would fit in a lot of places. Everywhere. So, yeah, we could put him in South Beach. We could put him in Boston. We could put him wherever. Dallas with fit. with Luca. Yeah, alongside Luca. Like, there's so many places that it. But then you start looking at who has enough for Dame and like no one <laughs> you would say Philly does because if they did like a Simmons and, and Maxi and something else, couple picks, something. But Philly would have to give up a lot for Dame, not the other way around. Portland mm-hmm. ain't giving up uh, a lot in return for Ben Simmons when they're including Damian Lillard. That just goes to show you, man, that like you're never really going to get value. For a guy. Like if you want to trade a guy like Damian Lillard, like if for that team to want to get better, they got to keep their best player, too. You know, and yeah, like, I mean, essentially, he's not like, going to get traded one for one for Bradley Bill. Like, that's just not no, going to happen. That doesn't make sense. Like, when you don't get better, when neither team gets better, like, a even swap never really makes like, where do I benefit from that? Mm-hmm. Like, now we just we got rid of our guy, especially when we talk about stars in the NBA. Like, this is our guy, this is our franchise. Like, our franchise, they fall in love with the stars. So, like, now we got to fall in love with Bradley Bill. Like, 
because Dame's gone and that just we're no better. We're no worse, but we're no better. It just it makes zero sense. So talking about being worse, uh, coming into this season, they had high expectations um, from everybody. I felt like they would drop off a little bit, but it wasn't about the drop off. It was about the Easter Conference. Everybody got better. So did the Hawks. Uh, they, we expect them to be healthy also. Uh, but they're playing terrible. Um, they look like bottom feeders, the bottom half of the middle of the pack um, teams in the NBA in both conferences, East or West. And it's 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 pretty much a conference finals hangover. Something we don't really hear much. We hear championship hangover, which is why we're giving Milwaukee a pass right now for their slow start. It's a championship hangover. You won the championship. You enjoyed the moment. You enjoyed the offseason. Probably didn't put in the, the individual work that you needed to because you're a champion now. Like, you deserve the best for a little bit. You deserve to, to treat yourself. Take a look. Take a break. Enjoy the the everything that comes with being a champion, especially for the city. So we're giving Milwaukee a pass. They're not playing absolutely horrible in, in any way, but they're not to where we thought they would be, but they'll, they'll turn it around. But the Hawks, it's concerning where they're at right now. Like, uh, they're four and eight, mm. which... If they were 500 or, or a game or two over 500, like majority of the league is barely, barely over 500 right now outside of those top like five to six teams in the league. Everybody one That's or two games over 500. DC right now, Washington, for whatever reason, is yeah. like well, good. You got like your Washington and Golden State, but even like Miami, LA, all those teams, they're like two games over 500. Most teams are like one or two games, three at most outside of the top five to six teams. But what is it when you watch Atlanta? Like, Trey Young, first off, he said exactly what it is. He came out, he, he's been complaining about the rule change, first mm-hmm. off. And I, listen, I, I could go on and on all day. I am not an advocate of people, players complaining about the rule change. Get out there and play ball. Just because y'all don't get to shoot 14 free throws a game no more. It ain't affecting guys like Steph and Jimmy Butler, so I don't care who it affects. But it does affect the game. I will say that. The numbers show it's affecting the game. But then he comes out and says, regular se- it's hard to get up for a regular season. You're wrong for saying that. You didn't win a championship. You should come back hungrier for not getting to the finals when you felt like you could have. Had Trey Young not got hurt, he'd be rightfully in the right spot to say, had I not got hurt and missed the game, we go to the finals. He, mm-hmm. he can say that and feel that way. Some other people feel that way. But Giannis had also got hurt too and missed the game. So that's neither here nor there. But he should feel that way. Had they lost, had had Milwaukee when Giannis lost or when Giannis missed the game, had they lost, he'd be like, man, had I not missed the game, we gonna win. Like, and we would all assume that had, had Giannis not went out for any amount of time, we'd win. So it'd be fair for Trey Young to have that same feeling. And you come into this season and you're not hungry, like your coach, you you know, you you brought back your coach who turned the whole how we look at you know uh, Atlanta around in the first mm-hmm. place. How they started last year, but now you're right back starting there. And it's almost, it's scary that they're starting off so bad because, yes, it's early in the season. But it comes at some point where we got to, all right, season's kicking off in full effect. Like, okay, it's early, don't panic. Like, there comes a point in time where you at least got to panic a little bit. And with as good as the Easter Conference is and all these teams that we're seeing that's ahead of them, that they're going to be fighting for for playoff spots, like, you don't want to turn around and go from a conference finals to be a playing team. So what is it when you watch Atlanta that you're like, they, they got to figure something out. Like it's, it's almost hit the panic button and, and start trying to figure something out, but I'm not saying make trades and blow it up. though. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they should have, you know, I mean, that was one of the things that I was an advocate of is, you know, this team looked really good last season, but I mean, we saw what happens when Trey Young's not in the mix. I mean, it's a completely different team. And as much as I love, you know, Collins, I thought that John Collins should have been, uh, he Ben should have got paid, you know, and when they drug it out as much as they did, I was like, okay, like, this doesn't make sense. I, I knew they weren't going to let him walk for nothing, you know, and I knew that they weren't just going to trade him for nothing either. So with that being said, I thought that they had the assets right now and a lot of them are young. And what we see, what we're seeing right now is a lot of it is just a lot of young guys are put in positions that when you put youth at the helm of your team, you're going to struggle. I mean, it's no different right now for them than it is for Oklahoma City. The only difference is, is that Atlanta has superstar player in a Trey Young. They have a, you know, a, a tried and true NBA head coach and Nate McMillan, and they have vets on this team. Oklahoma City doesn't have any of those other things, you know. So when you see that this team is being driven by youth outside of Trey Young and Collins, 
I mean, you look at a guy like Cam Reddish, you DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, all these guys are still kind of young, but they're given a lot of big minutes. So these guys, they're, they're probably right now still trying to build their depth and their confidence. But I think that these guys could have been packaged together and you bring in a Bradley Bill. You know what I mean? Because then it's just like, okay, we don't have anything to worry about. And plus Washington would have had even more of these young guys that they're that they're infatuated with, right? But ultimately, youth is going to give you a little bit of um, issues. And now also with that, you mentioned the rule change. Trey Young, this, this team is going to go as far as he takes them. And right now he's only shooting, what, 43% from the floor, 33% from deep. Those aren't great numbers. I mean, he's a 91% free throw shooter, so I'll give him that. But I know that you, on your last show, Mo, you were talking about the rule changes and, you know, it's not affecting Jimmy Butler. Well, I think the rule change is really, it rewards aggression. And I love that. I love that so much about the rule change. I'm glad I'm glad that a guy like Jimmy Butler is being vaulted up even higher when I didn't think that that was going to be possible because the way the game is played is more more of an emphasis on outside shooting. Well, if you're not getting these ticky-tack fouls, you know, the defense is going to be schemed differently. So with Trey Young, he's still trying to figure that out, as there are a lot of guys like Damian Lillard. We just talked about James Harden. We, we haven't talked about him a lot yet, but he's another yeah. one of these guys. So the rule changes in the youth, I think, are the, the driving factors as to why this team isn't where they are because the top two guys, Collins and Young, they are playing decent, but they're not playing at a superstar level that you would expect where I've had them projected a top three team in the East would be. Yeah. And, and like you said, like just to, before we touch on our last topic, just to hit on the rule changes is because I look at who it's affecting and who it's not affecting. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, you, you hit it on the head. It rewards aggression. John Morant. Yeah. But it goes back to like, we were so tired of the ticky tack fouls. We were so tired of the flopping. And so we were so tired of it. And then they get rid of it. And it's like, now, like, some people are like, the refs are being too, they're letting them play too much. But how many times do we sit there, watch a game, they keep calling ticky-tack fouls three, four times straight down the court, and we're like, bro, just let them play. Like, we say that a lot. I think fans love the rule change. It's the players. Because they've been playing the same way for, like, 10 years, and now it's three weeks in. I think that these guys, they're they're too good not to become adjusted eventually to the rule change. They'll, they'll adjust and they'll be fine, but you you what we watch it all the time. They release these training camp videos where these dudes are practicing the same move that they do in game over and over and over again. Eventually, muscle memory is going to kick in in a game, and we see guys like James Harden struggle with it to where he's just so used. He's going to old reliable in his little bag of you know dribble moves, and he's just so used to muscle memory taking over to draw a foul, and it's yeah. not helping him at all this year. But I wonder where they're at mentally. Because, like, think about it, Steven. Mm-hmm. These dudes are our age. <laughs> how they're having to play basketball right now, taking away mm-hmm. all the ticky tack That's how we grew up playing. Yep. So I know they did. Like, the, the AAU circuit being finesse ball and one-on-one yep. and all the crowds running out after one big play, that's new. That is modern era, very, very modern era, like past four to five years modern era of basketball. We played you know the hard fouls. The the if a guy if you if a guard comes as a big man, knock him on his butt. Your coaches don't do anything to, but knock him on his butt. Make him think twice about couple. Like we were raised on that. That's how we play ball. I know these di- dudes did too because we're all the same age. Some of them are a little bit older, which makes it to me even less excusable. But like you said, I think the leagues that they played in because I played in rural Arkansas, right? So like mm-hmm. the whole you know sidestep and dribbling stuff like that's a travel all day long growing up where I played basketball but I never played top top level AAU basketball I don't know me personally I don't know what the rules are like for that I think that they're more inclined to let these guys play how they are projected to at that next level if that makes sense like like we know that these guys are going to be making these moves you know on Saturday night Thursday night basketball you know what I mean so like we're going to let them do that whereas for me like if I did anything else other than like, you know, an up and under and up and under in the post, then like I was going to get called for traveling. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, cause having played in, in the AAU circuit, especially like at the high level, going to all the tournaments that the, you know, uh, the wide world of sports tournament, then seeing Bradley Bill and them play, you know, live mm-hmm. in high school. 
but it wasn't like it was play ball. Like those, they used to get like they used to, especially when the stars would come in, the, the Bradley Bills and you know uh, Austin Rivers was mm-hmm. huge. But like when they would play, it'd be gritty, real basketball. I'm talking about almost like it was a little more loose as far as how much jawing and physicality you could have pushing each other than high school mm-hmm. because like high schools weren't getting fined. Like like or high schools were getting fined. Like you got in a fight, you punched the fan, y'all, y'all fought on the like now high schools are losing money because of it. So it was a little more relaxed than how gritty it could get. So I just wonder, like mentally, like I done seen some of y'all, like I done watched some of you guys, the Austin Rivers, the Bradley Bills, and those type. Like, I know how y'all played. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know where y'all came from of playing. So why is it? I get that once you got to the NBA, you adjusted to those rule changes. But why is it so hard? It's one of those, you forget where you came from. Like Not me, for Trey Young, though. Trey Young kind of fits that timeline that you were talking does. about with the he younger does. guys. You know? He does. So it's and but small, some of the older like, guys, like Dame, because Dame's know. come out and complained about it. Like, it's, it's with some of the older guys. I understand the tr- James Harden. Like, yeah. those guys that are on the other side of 30, like, I'm 26, so if I done went through it, if I played, I know y'all did because y'all are older, like, you know what I'm saying? And then each generation talks about how soft the next generation is. That's just how it goes. It's just a rite of passage. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a trick. So I know James Harden and Dame Lillard looking at my generation like, y'all soft. Y'all y'all were, the, y'all were never as skilled as us. Y'all were never as good as us. We play, I played against, you know, mailmen, you know, because yeah, I'm like, 30. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's just, so it, I don't know. I just, the rule change, the coming out complaint, I get a Trey Young, young guy. Young cats adjusting, but when when I'm seeing some other guys flourishing it, Steph of all people, like the the he's not the most aggressive guy, but Steph's always been that way though. Yeah, but his game hasn't really been affected by it. Like mm-hmm. even he had his worst game was a 20 point triple double where he shot bad from the floor. Like yeah. that's pretty much like his worst game so far. And after he dropped the 30 some piece, everybody saw the 10 point triple double and was like. Ah, uh, he uh his efficiency's actually gone down this year too, though. Like Steph's numbers, like he's being gassed up, rightfully so. But like, if you look year by year, this is actually one of his quote unquote worst years in basketball. You know, this is one of those. This is uh, once again he's being asked to do a lot with, mm-hmm. especially no Wiseman. We know no Clay. Like Draymond's getting older, he's not able to do everything that he once was. Like his. Big body, he's breaking down a little bit faster than some of these, you know, agile guards or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so And so he's being asked to do a lot and also on top of that, teach these young guys. They don't have a lot of adequate young guys. Moses Moody is still growing in the system before they put him out there. So so Steph, to me, is asked to do a lot. But like you said, it, to me, the more shots he takes, the more point, the less efficient he becomes. Like, the more you ask for a player to do, the less efficient they can do it. But because they're so great, they'll still do it at a high level. So speaking of the Warriors... Uh, before we get on up out of here, do the Warriors shoot for the stars? And by that, basically, all I'm asking is, you know, they have asset after asset after asset. When we talk about a team that could make a huge splash trade and still be a great team the next day, it is the Golden State Warriors. They are the definition of the ultimate trade package. When we talk about assets, we talk about draft picks, we put all that they have combined uh, uh, contracts. They can make trades and match contracts with adequate players who have boosted their value. Andrew Wiggins, guys mm-hmm. who still have high value that people would love to have. James Wiseman, guys that were sought after highly in the draft. Kaminga and Moses Moody that are sitting over there. We're talking about an ultimate talented team that's able to have young assets and make a big time move. Do they? Right now, they're the best team in the NBA. They're ten and one. Uh, no Clay, no Wiseman. Kaminga and Moody. Minimal playing time. They're still, you know, getting acclimated to the NBA itself. But do they, with all that, jump the gun, realize that they're they're in they're in the championship window right now? And it might only be this year, it might be this year and next year, max. But they're in a championship window with looking like the best team. We're not, we wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, the Warriors represent the West in the finals. Do they make a big splash or or do they just ru- stay the course? of what they plan on doing because they have yet to do it when we thought they would pre-draft for the past two years. Do they just stay the course and continue to look like a cha- or compete for a championship now with what they have, but also develop the young talent, which is what they're absolutely amazing at doing uh, with, with all the, with all the young assets that they have. I would, I would, if it was me, I would stand Pat because you're basically making a big splash anyway, when clay comes back, like you're mm-hmm. one of the most, you're one of the best teams in the NBA today, and one of your assumed to be best players hasn't even touched the floor yet. 
you know, mm-hmm. because and and like you said, you know, Kaminga hasn't played either, you know, due to injuries and whatnot. You know, Moses Moody, he's got to claw his way up because you got guys like Jordan Poole and Damian Lee balling out on this team right now. Um, Andrew Wiggins is putting up posters you know, right yeah. now as we speak. I think he's dunking on Carl Anthony Towns again right now, I think. so. As um, you're hearing this, cat got dunked on yeah, by Yeah, updated to the Cat Williams body count, right? Or yeah. Cat Williams, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns, excuse me. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, you know, I think Golden State stands pat because you mentioned that they're in the championship window right now. I don't think before this season, a lot of people who were saying that they are in a championship window right now, myself, um, was not saying that same thing two, three months ago. Again, myself, because we didn't know what this team was going to look like. They didn't look good last season. They're largely the same. You know, they didn't. If if anything, they lost people. You know, that Kelly Oubre Jr. is gone. So. I wasn't looking at this team as a serious threat this year. I was thinking kind of like middle of the pack in the Western Conference, like somewhere between that five to seven range in the West. And boy, was I wrong. And like I said, Clay Thompson hasn't even come back yet. So if it was me, I would stand pat because here's what's going to happen. If you make too many moves, you're kind of already, in my opinion, counting out that you don't trust that Clay Thompson's going to come back to the full effect. Mm-hmm. If, if that makes sense, because yeah. if you're looking to upgrade from Wiggins, um, then you're going to be messing with your rotation of Damian Lee and Poole, which y- you can do that. That's fine if you want to. But right now it's working, you know, and you, yeah. like I said, you haven't even had Clay Thompson back um, and you got young guys who can come in and fill in. Like, if anything, I think the buyout market is where Golden State does any of their moves, because as much as they have these contracts that can match up, you have to be careful because there's luxury tax implications and even the slightest change. If you can absorb more money, you got to be careful because that little bit of money, a hundred thousand dollars with luxury tax could turn into a couple million real quick. Like they know that right now. So with that being said, I think the buyout market is where these guys can make some moves. I mean, does Houston buy out John wall and then boom, you have a John wall backup point guard behind Steph Curry. That would be scary. You know, there there's a number of guys who could get bought out. Uh, this season where Golden State could be like, hey, you want to get this ring with us right quick? Because Clay, because Clay, excuse me? Kevin Love. like I'm Kevin going, Love. Kevin Love. Yeah, I mean, he would definitely be in that mix too because he's not really even being used in Cleveland right now and they're still winning. So there's teams out there that can buy out certain players and then Golden State's going to be in that mix. I wouldn't expect them to make a trade, but like you pointed out in your your interlude for this segment, they have the ability to do so. And whatever they decide to do, man, I'm done. I'm done trying to think that I know better than they do right now because I just I don't. I don't. So yeah. if they want to make a trade, they can do it, and I'm sure it'll work just fine. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you on stay the course though, and and because you're in a you're in a position very rarely do the hardly ever does any team get to be in, and that's we could win a championship now and still have a competitive team for the next ten years. Mm-hmm. Nobody can say that based on now, obviously we know things happen. Coaches move on, but where you look at their, te- you look at Jordan Poole and Damian Lee have to be the prime example of why you stay the course. Mm-hmm. They're great at developing talent. Jordan Poole is, is turning into what a six man of the year candidate, a, re- a really Maybe good most player. improved. Yeah. And even though he's really good in college, but still like, you, you know, you, you didn't expect him to be this yet, especially after he's improved every year. Mm-hmm. That has a lot to do with the organization, also the individual putting in the work, but the organization su- supplying the work, so getting these guys, you know, the right, whatever, shooting coach, whatever they need. Damian Lee came out of nowhere, essentially. has Came out of nowhere. Then, you know, at first we thought he got a spot because he's Steph Curry's brother-in-law. And boom, like, this man is a – and it helps. But this man is a player. Like, he can play. He can contribute to a playoff team. And then you talk about depth. Like, also, depth right away. Like, Clay Thompson's going to come in. You're going to remove a guy from the starting lineup. Then you're going to have Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, Jonathan Kaminga, and Moses Moody coming off the bench while you have Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, and Wiseman at your starting five. Give me that heading into the playoffs. I have youth. I have stars. I have guys who have been there before. Depth, the moment won't coaching. become too big. It, it from general manager down, 
Golden State is absolutely amazing. Owner down. How many owners would yeah. be willing to fork out millions of dollars over the past two seasons yeah. for a possibility of a chance at a championship? Yeah, and, and that's that's really what it comes down to. And I just stay the course because worst case scenario is you compete for a championship, you don't win one. You already got three with Steph Curry. Like, what is him winning another one? Like, and you you want to win as many as possible, but yeah, absolutely. I'm when it comes down to it, like, I don't think, I think Steph at three is, like, he he is what he is. We view him as what we view him in, in the all-time list, the legacy. He, he can still build on it, but I'm saying, like, if he doesn't win another championship, you don't Top 15, easy. Steph, yeah, you don't frown upon Steph Curry. Ah, oh, he failed. He didn't get a fourth championship. Like, he's not in that light where he's not that top three. So, mm-hmm. we don't, he doesn't need six championships. He's not chasing Jordan. So, he doesn't need six. So I, I think when you look at it, especially like that, it's like my guys here have already built their legacy. We've built a legacy as an organization. We've had a mini dynasty. We've had a big three. We've had a big four. Let's keep that. We, we developed talent. Tried their hand at a big five with the Marcus yeah, Cousins. You tried it, but he, but he ended up getting hurt. But then you develop talent at an all-time level. Let's keep that young talent. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a Bradley Bill. It'd be nice to bring a Dame Lillard or Ben Simmons, whoever it is. But at the same time, like you're, because you have the assets, you're going to have to give up so much. And so that's what I'm concerned about with Golden State is you don't want to give up your future for the now when your future looks so bright with what you've been able to do the past two years in the draft and for later on. Like maybe these guys become assets and, and there's another star. We don't know what four years down the line looks like where there's another star who's available uh, and, and they ultimately are able to shoot for them when mm-hmm. Steph is gone, when Clay is gone, and it's time to compete again. You could bring one in and get another guy in free agency, and boom, like you're, you're right back at being a championship team. So, if they make a move, Mo, the only move I want to see them make, if they make one, is to bring in Seth Curry. I want to see those dudes on a team. Yeah, together. I'd love that to would see be fun. Seth and Seth play together, you know, uh, before before their career is over. I love to see him just you know, Steph it like his last year, go to Charlotte, like just go play in Charlotte with LaMelo and Seth, you know, go back home and just go play in Charlotte, have fun. Y'all be the ultimate shooters for LaMelo ball who in five years from now, who knows what he'll be, but might be the best point guard in the league. Who knows? Could be, could be the best player in the league for all we know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the future's promising, you know, with all these young guys, but Steven, I appreciate you for coming on. So as always, before we go plug everybody in, they're going to be able to listen to you here later on Dash Radio, and they're also going to hear you later in the week on Wednesday. So go ahead, plug them in, and tell them where they can find you and, and all your projects you have coming up. Well, Mo, I just thank you for having me. You know, I try not to overexert my hand at being on your show because people probably on Dash get their fill of me already. You know, um, yeah. you mentioned I'm going to be on here later today on the Breaking the Game show with my buddy Kenneth. We're going to be talking the same NBA stuff. A um, little bit different storylines, obviously, but, you know, it's the NBA and it's fun. But, um, you know, I'm on Wednesdays and Saturdays now, Saturdays at 3 p.m., Wednesdays at 1 p.m. with our president at Off the Ball Network, Chris LeBron, running Draft Capital, which has been a heck of a run so far. I mean, we've had some great guests. We've talked about some great up-and-coming players. So, please, if you're listening to the Off the Ball Mondays here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, Wednesdays is lit because we also got our guy, Cole, from Nothing But Airtime. He and I, we're starting to try to build an off-the-ball Wednesday over there right now. Yeah. We're trying to get the get the groundwork laid down. And then Saturdays as well. Um, I'm starting to get into the video editing and scouting, um, Mo, like you pointed out earlier. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Stephen G. Hoops. It's kind of my new alias that I'm adopting. Um, you go look up Stephen G. Hoops. I'm putting film out there every day on some of these young guys coming up in the NBA dr- or yep for the upcoming NBA draft. And you know, just trying to grow and get off the ball network better and better each day, man. But again, shout out to you, Mo. Appreciate all the work and hustle that you do for the network, man. You're an OG. Love having you. And, uh, you know, as always, man, it's been fun to be on the show with you. Yeah, bro. And, you know, I always you're always more than welcome. If I can't find a guest and you willing to jump on, then hey, hey, you already all y'all listening on Dash Radio. Y'all, y'all will hear Steven 10 times a day for all I care. <laughs> you're going to love what we put out. Uh, and, you know, uh, make sure you go follow him on Twitter though, because for, for people who are looking at some, some content to really get to know these college basketball players, these draft prospects, Steven breaking down film, you know, uh, positive, negative, the bottom, like it's, it's a deep analysis and he's only going to get better. He just started. 
So you, you'll see it now. You didn't know he just started, but he just started really doing that on, on the Twitter level. So make sure you go follow that. Urson does the same thing. Um, yeah, those are the deep. Uh, those guys, you know, Chris is starting to do it, uh, getting into it. Kenneth is starting to get into it. It's college basketball season now. So our NBA draft guys who have basically been, the, you know, the the step in the right direction of success at Off the Ball Network. Uh, we blew up because of the work these guys did at the draft. Walker and Chris uh, and their one shiny pot dropping, you know, college Great basketball. Great show. Great show. Great show from those guys. One of the newest shows. Uh, you guys know who Chris Bolton is. He's been on my show uh, multiple times. Been on uh, my show. Just, Love yeah, Chris. Yeah, they just started that. Uh, over there for us at Off The Ball Network. So make sure you go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. I appreciate everyone for listening. As always, I am your host, Mo Murphy, and Up In Flames is out.